Listen to our prayer for illumination. God of the universe, make our hearts porous. Open our eyes as if for the first time so that we might see your world with awe and wonder once again. We often approach scripture with an analytical lens, intellectualizing the stories heard, bringing historical context and textual criticism to the table. For just one moment, pause those instincts to make room for wonder. Help us greet this text with awe and gratitude before we begin dissecting it for the truth. For I am confident that in doing so, we will not only find you in the hallways of our thoughts, but in the pathways of our hearts. With gratitude we pray, keep us open. Amen. Our first reading is from Psalm 126. Listen to the word. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is the promise of God to our ancestors and to us. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel reading for this third Sunday in Advent comes to us from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 57 through verse 66. Listen to what the Spirit is speaking to us today. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and wondered, What will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. When was the last time that you were utterly amazed? On August 21st, 2017, Sarah and Asher, my brother John, and I took an overnight trip to Steelville, Illinois, where my uncle and aunt have some land. We arrived early in the morning, middle of the night, while it was still dark, and managed to get some sleep before the sun rose. We awoke and ate breakfast and headed outside, hoping that there would be clear skies, because that day there was going to be a total solar eclipse, and we were in the path of totality. When you're in the path of totality, what that means is that there is a period, brief, in our case, two minutes and 20 seconds, where you are safe to take off your eclipse glasses and look directly at the eclipsed sun. But of course, that only works if the skies are clear. And so we anxiously waited and hoped for the best. We put on our eclipse glasses and stared up at the sky seeing it slowly get darker and darker. At 2.16 p.m., it looked as though there was a sunset all around 360 degrees. And the birds started flying to their nests because they thought that it was nighttime. And then at 2.18 p.m., we carefully removed our glasses and looked up at the sky And what I saw was like nothing I had ever seen before or since. It was the middle of the afternoon on a hot August day in rural Illinois, and I found myself staring into space. It wasn't daytime, nor was it night. It was something in between, but it also didn't look to me like twilight. There was a metallic glow over everything. And the moon 
appeared to be on fire. It was utterly amazing. And the four of us stood there staring at the moon covering the sun and we spontaneously cried out in astonishment and joy. It was, as the psalmist said, our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. That day we allowed ourselves to be amazed and it sparked great joy. How does a weary world rejoice? Two weeks ago we looked at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, how this weary old couple rediscovered joy after sharing years of grief together. We talked about how, as counterintuitive as it may seem, sorrow and joy belong together. When we try to stop the flow of sorrow in our lives, it ends up cutting us off from joy as well. When the hose of our heart is kinked, then nothing gets through. See, grief can be so scary that we can try to shut it down to keep ourselves from feeling the pain. But what we don't realize is that in doing so, we cut off the joy as well. And when we dare to unkink the hose of our hearts and allow them to feel what they feel, yes, we will know sorrow and grief, but so too will we know joy. The same can be said of amazement. When we allow ourselves to be amazed, joy comes along for the ride. Luke tells us that the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. That's key. See, joy is, it can be personal for sure, but it is best experienced together. In her latest book, Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown defines joy as an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, pleasure, and appreciation. I like that definition. In fact, last week, I experienced joy right here in this worship service as our choir performed Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols. The entire piece was deeply moving to me, but it was the beginning as the choir processed down the aisle with candles in hand, and Allie started singing, Hodi Christus Natus Est, Today Christ is Born. My eyes were filled with tears, and I had an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, pleasure, and appreciation, also known as joy. What a gift we shared together. The community around Elizabeth rejoiced in the news of her unlikely birth. See, joy is so much sweeter when it is shared with others. And everything was going smoothly with Elizabeth and Zechariah until it came time to name the child. And the community, they think the child should have been named Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth says, no, no, his name is to be John. And they don't believe her. Apparently, women had a hard time being taken seriously back then as well. And so they take their concern to Zechariah, who, if you recall, had been 
struck dumb by the angel Gabriel for doubting the promise of this unlikely child. And we didn't really address this at all in my sermon two weeks ago, but it isn't obvious why Zechariah was made mute. Simply for asking, how can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. That seems like a reasonable question to me. Does this mean that having doubts of any kind is some great sin in the eyes of God? How dare you not believe me? I don't think so. See, doubt is ever-present in the Scriptures from the beginning to the end. And though God is always inviting us to faith and trust, the reality is that we as human beings struggle to trust in God's promises. And with good reason. In fact, we struggle to believe that anything good can happen in our weary world. And when you've been worn down by life, by years of disappointment, trust doesn't come easily, does it? And God knows this about us. And while God would like for us to live in the assurance that we inhabit a benevolent universe, when we doubt... I don't think God is mad at us. I don't, I don't even think God is mad at Zechariah. I think the key to his muteness is baked into his question. How can I know this will happen? Well, when it comes to the promises of God, if we are looking for certainty, we're going to find ourselves at a loss for words. And that's because faith and certainty are not synonymous. They're antonyms. See, faith is all about trust, and trust isn't about certainty. It's about knowing someone who is trustworthy. And God wants to be that someone in our lives. So when Zechariah writes down his name as John, everyone's amazed. And suddenly, for the first time in nine-plus months, Zechariah is able to speak, and what does he say? He doesn't give us a lecture. He doesn't preach a sermon. The first words out of his mouth are praise. That's what amazement does to us. It can't be put into normal speech. All we're left doing is saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or as Benjamin Britten's ceremony finishes, Gloria in excelsis Deo, Alleluia. When we are overwhelmed with beauty and awe of a transcendent moment, our first instinct is to give thanks. It was Frederick Beekner who said that it is in these moments that we wish to say, not thank it, but thank you. That's exactly what Zechariah does when he's overwhelmed with amazement at how God's promises have come to pass. Will you allow yourself to be amazed? Amazement comes naturally in transcendent moments like the birth of a child or witnessing the northern lights or seeing a total solar eclipse. It can move us into wonder and gratitude, but it doesn't have to be anything that spectacular. When we are open to amazement, even the mundane can bring us to tears. Sarah Speed's poem all the way to joy, says it well. She says, we could play hard and fast, 
not letting anything touch us at all, keep composure, have all the answers. Or we could crack ourselves open and let everything in. We could feel everything, every touch, every marvel. We could stand gaping at the beauty of the world, mouths wide open. Because sometimes a mouth wide open is the very best gratitude. We could laugh so loudly that the whole restaurant looks an air on the side of goofy, whenever possible. We could put our defenses down. We could grow soft. We could choose awe. We could take her by the arm. We could let her lead us all the way to joy. If we are going to find our way back to joy, then we need to be cracked open to allow our hearts to feel once again. It is true that when our hearts are open, they might break. Actually, we can be certain that they will. But along with that broken heart comes all the good stuff as well. Marvel, touch, laughter, awe at this incredible world in which we live. Do you, you want to know a secret? There are countless reasons to be amazed. If you go outside right now and look up at the sky, whether you can see it or not, you're staring into space. Not only that, we are living on the surface of a blue marble that is hurtling through space right now at 67,100 miles per hour. That's not even poetic language. That's just science. And if that's not amazing enough for you, here's something even more incredible. Despite your weariness and disappointment, we live in a benevolent universe, and God is on our side. And this may not be something that you can be certain about, but you can still trust that it's true. And when you do, joy and amazement can't help but come along for the ride. So may God unkink the hose of your heart so that everything can come in. The grief, the awe, and the joy. Amen.